I am very saddened when I see the lack of respect that is associated with public education in Romania. For me, this is the ground zero. This is where everything starts from school, from the education you get, your your civic sense that eventually makes you take care about the city and makes you understand the consequences of, of your own deeds upon the city and upon the, the, the relationship that you have with the public space and with the buildings and with the people in general. So I think everything starts from, from there. This is the sixth episode of the Disobedient Buildings podcast, an Arts and Humanities Research Council funded project at the University of Oxford. Our focus is on the everyday lives of the people living in three European countries, the UK, Romania and Norway. My name is Gabriela Nicolescu and today I take you to Bucharest where I speak with Ilinka Poun-Constantinescu lecturer at Ion Mincu University of Architecture and Urbanism in Bucharest, talking about communities and education, waste management and trust, the life of shrinking cities in Romania. Bucharest is definitely not perceived as shrinking, but there are uh, shrinking sides of it. Um, And while shrinkage in general may be perceived by many only from an um, from a demographic and from an economic point of view shrinkage is actually also about or mostly from my point of view it's about culture and about public life uh, and urban life and it's about how people really live in a certain city or a neighborhood it is a city of contrast and this reflects in so so many levels There is this phenomena of of a kind of suburbanization, but maybe I wouldn't even label it exactly in in, in that manner. But but it is indeed a fact that people feel the need to run away from Bucharest and and, and choose their their second place or or their main place at the outskirts of Bucharest or even, even somewhere else. And on the other hand, there is that side of Bucharest that we very seldomly want to look at, and it is the Bucharest of the marginalized, uh, marginalized people and marginalized places. The north part of Bucharest is, is favored. There are s- so many sides of, of the southern part of Bucharest that are being neglected. So I would say that that part and a lot of neighborhoods in Bucharest are shrinking while others are prospering. When we talk about the well-being of people, in blocks of flats, but also in other kinds of contexts. We also talk about the facilities surrounding the blocks, green spaces, mutual help. How do you feel it's the situation in Bucharest? So if we are talking about the large housing estates that were built um, since, uh, I don't know, in the 60s and 70s, they were equipped from, from the very start with public facilities. This was the whole idea. So the whole idea of the development of Bucharest in the 60s had at, at its core the concept of microrayon. So it was like a module of uh, housing, of so blocks of flats of different uh, uh, heights and dimensions, plus the facilities that go with it, like 
nurseries, schools, shopping centers, and so on and so forth. So from this point of view, those housing estates, they have the infrastructure to continue, I don't know, a healthy public life that goes hand in hand with housing. But in the contemporary days, um, there are several things that have happened uh, to these public facilities. So on the one hand, some of them were privatized and they were either shut down or they were replaced by by some uh, uh, some other functions. And on the other hand, the new estates, they do not have, or, or they have very, very little other facilities. Yes. So they, um, sometimes they might have commercial centers at the ground floor and this is it. So what they do is that they want to use the facilities from the, uh, the, the ones from the 60s and 70s. And this happens mostly to schools, for instance. Uh, This is a huge problem uh, that can even lead to to bribery because there is such a high demand for for a school in an an older neighborhood. The newcomers or even people that live uh, at the outskirts of Bucharest, they want to go to school in Bucharest, yes? And this is turning into a bad consequence for... Uh, the actual dwellers of the housing estates from the 60s, yes, because there are other people that want to take away the facilities that they have. Uh, do you think people live well in Bucharest? Well, some of them live well, but not all of them live well, because um, Bucharest is a very polluted city. The green spaces that that were already from, from the start, not that many, even those are being being taken over by investors sometimes and they are being occupied with buildings so instead of reusing uh, in a in a sensible way what bucharest has there is always this tendency to 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 move further and build anew and so i, I think that's a very big problem has this very interesting texture. Bucharest had uh, a lot of industrial spaces that were even very central. And when these industries closed, um, so they offered a key point for for development. And and this key point from development could have gone uh, in a sensible way and in a way that, uh, that those pretty vast urban plots they could have been used more for the people, but mostly they have been used for investors that always densified with blocks of flats, with housing. And that was something that is not healthy. I want to ask you to go back to your book and to the fact that you have curated uh, an exhibition in 2016 at the Museum of Contemporary Art. My question has to do with, did the exhibition impact the way you understood the project Shrinking Cities? I I know it is a a project that still, you know, you are developing and you keep collecting materials. What about uh, the participation to the Venice Biennale with the Fading Borders project? 
you know, does the exhibition do anything to the research? Well, the exhibition really did a lot to, to the research. And what I really loved about, um, about this exhibition was the fact that it was not addressed. So that was its, its purpose from the first, uh, from, from the beginning. So the purpose was to, to address it, not only to architects and urban planners, but mostly uh, to, to the regular uh, people. And our point was to listen to their opinion on this subject as well. So um, when we had the ex exhibition at, uh, at MNAC, at the National Museum of Contemporary Art, it was for the first time that this subject was brought to, to, to the wider public. And um, within the exhibition, we had what we called an uh, info collector. So it was a place where people could um, leave messages uh, about their own cities after having visited the exhibition. And um, the people that supervised the, the exhibition, they always told us that the visitors would spend a lot of time uh, during the exhibition. Uh, and in the end, we got so many messages. It was it was unbelievable. So um, uh, we were very happy that we were able to let people express their thoughts. And in the end, we sorted all the of all the messages, which were I don't know a thousand messages maybe. Uh, and those messages were so accurate. They were depicting real life problems that people identified in their home cities after having visited that. It, uh, it made us shape some, some next steps for the, for, for the further research. Um, so first of all, uh, the fact that uh, it, it was a confirmation for us that this subject was uh, not marginal in, in, in people's minds and that people care a lot about their hometowns and they, they really would like to have something done there. Uh, and, and they do care about all the facilities and uh, uh, all the things that define the city, be them industrial uh, areas or be them uh, whatever um, important uh, uh, buildings that are not functioning anymore in their cities. So even young people care about that. Can you please give us some examples? I mean, some examples of the messages you got. People observed very accurate what was happening in the cities. And that was a first uh, big surprise. Uh, like they, they observed and they managed to describe how all these changes that affect the cities reflect in the urban life. So there were many messages that were describing that. Then there were other messages that referred to particular buildings that are not functioning any anymore or that are ruined. And uh, some of the visitors came up with, um, with small solutions or propositions for those buildings, or just uh, as an observation of the value that, uh, that those buildings have for, for their own cities. I, I think it's wonderful when, when you see that people really want to, to be implicated in what happens to the city and then you know, um, whatever they do has effects in time. It does. It, I mean, changes don't take place quickly. They take time. Changes take a lot of time. Changes need to happen from within as well. So it's always, it's, it's, it's crucial that you have collaborators 
from within the city because those people can diagnose the best and they know what they want, they know what 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 they would like for the city to be like. So it's very important to to listen to them. But of course, it's not uh, it, it's not something easy to do. It's not easy to have. Uh, um, a simple collaboration between the community and all these institutions. But if you want, this was one of uh, one of our main conclusions at the uh, Venice Biennale, and it's even uh, titled that way: the power of cooperation. So there is nothing that uh, that can be done uh, without the cooperation between the civil society and the administration, the local administration and the central administration, and so on. I will switch to the project. Some participants in the project live in blocks of 10 to 13 floors built in the 60s and 70s. And for example, I have taken with me a postcard that was written by one of the participants in Grivica. Catalin Movilanu answers the following when asked what needs to be repaired or improved. Da, este de reparat plafonul de la baie. Yes, we need to repair the ceiling of the bathroom because our neighbors from above have floated us. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we could not ask for a painter to come. Well, I think it was very challenging uh, to be trapped in a in a in a in a block of flat uh, in a large block of flat during during pandemic. So um, this was indeed a very problematic period for for all these people. Also, because you mentioned uh, when you when you read that something about the the neighbors that flood. Uh, other neighbors that is a very common issue that happens here and of course that all these uh, piping installations they are pretty old and they have always caused a lot a lot of damage uh, in our interviews when we talked to to, to people that um, lived in any kinds of uh, blocks of flats there have always been complaints about the neighbors and these complaints were either floodings <laughs> and on the other hand they were about noise that is an issue and that is something that that when people moved out of these uh, housing estates from the 60s and 70s and 80s this was one of the things that they searched for not to hear the neighbor anymore i think in romania in, in not only in bucharest so in in, in romania in general Um, there is a huge problem with uh, with with uh, the relationship that we have with our neighbors, a problem with the, the, the vicinities, and it's hard for 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 Romanians to be able to properly be a part of a community. That is an issue that needs to be taken in, into account when making projects for the new housing development, you know, how to find the balance between privacy and community, because the Romanians search very much for privacy, but it's very dangerous when this privacy just transforms in an atomization and in the in, a, in an individualization in, in, in which you just surround yourself with walls. So, uh, and, and I think we're in that point where we start to lose our sense of community. So we need as architects and urban planners to try to, to work with that and to make people uh, 
um, share more and, and, and work more with communities. The issue of trust is huge in Romania, and unfortunately, everything that's related to the state uh, correlated with mistrust. And this is something very serious, and that happens in education. Now, I, uh, the mistrust into all the state institutions, be, be them schools or universities uh, or um, the municipal companies that collect garbage or uh, the, the city halls that... Uh, um, do planning with a, with a city um, uh, is something that is not going to go away very soon. Um, this is why um, we as, as, as people that work both for the public system but, but are also part of the private uh, system, we, we really need to, uh, to, to try to change this mentality through our own examples. That's the only way that that this can be changed. I heard that the background, I heard my background, um, somebody asking for pieces of pipes and other kinds of materials, um, yeah, more or less related to iron. Uh, so that's, uh, that's something also that brings color about how Bucharest is. You get money in exchange for old iron in, 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 in Romania. There are people that are usually part of uh, marginalized uh, societies that uh, go around the blocks of flats and they shout, <laughs> which means <laughs> we collect old iron. Uh, so it's something that's a, it, it's a win-win situation. Yeah? So if you have uh, some uh, uh, metal that you don't use at home, uh, it's very convenient for somebody to, to come and pick that up for you and, and they just collect that and they go and they receive a small amount of, uh, of money for that. I actually love that and I love the, the sounds and I love that little uh, melody that, uh, that they have with that. But one day I was very shocked to, uh, to have a customer in our office, to have a client. Uh, he was trying to build a house and at one point he was explaining that he wants to get away from, from his uh, former blocks of flats because every so once in a couple of days there is this uh, lady that uh, comes and uh, sings this, <laughs> this, this, this song. There was so much hatred around that that I was, I was shocked, yes. So it is colorful for... For some of us, but uh, but but for 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 others, it is a matter of racism. I think also it's a measure of of the how huge the disparities are um, in um, Bucharest and in Romania in general. Even uh, as we were saying before, 60-65 percent of the population lives in blocks of flats, which are more or less the same kind of size. So you know, despite this equalizing uh, society and despite the equality, um, the differences are, are so huge nowadays, I think much more bigger than there used to be in the socialist times. There is no national project or, I don't know, or, or even local project that refers to the less favored ones. Social housing, yes, yeah, social housing occupies a a very small place in the public uh, discourse and, and, and measures, and it shouldn't be that way at all. Housing has become just a, a product, uh, a, a very expensive product that people 
have to pay for their whole lives, so they have these huge debts uh, for for an apartment that is not even uh, that nice in the end. So it doesn't offer the best quality. It's just a compromise that that they make. So until Romania is going to to really understand the fact that they 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 need to embrace the social issues more, I think we're not going to go on the right path. Thank you for listening to the Disobedient Buildings podcast, edited by Anna Ulrike Anderson and produced by Jack Sopper. If you want to hear more, go to our website www.disobedientbuildings.com or search for our podcasts where you normally find your podcasts. In the next episode, Anna Ulrike Anderson takes you to Oslo to speak with Tom Davies from the Oslo School of Architecture and Design. Does post-war architecture need preservation?